0: Good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? My name is Lori. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I am excited to be here this morning. I might need a minute to orient myself to this general area versus anything on that side of the stage. So if I just bust out in song randomly, please forgive me. Um, Welcome to week four of our summer series, E3 at the Movies. Um, just to give you a quick recap: Week one, Pastor Eric taught from about the movie Independence Day. Loosely taught about the movie because he hated the movie. I don't, I haven't actually met anyone yet that really enjoyed the movie, so I feel kind of bad that we promoted that. But it, it is what it is. Eric taught about signs from that movie. Um, Pastor Mark the next week taught from the movie BFG, and he told us that he talked to us about dreams. And then last week, uh, Pastor Eric talked about Ghostbusters and talked about the church and who we are and, and the, our mission in that. Um, I wasn't here last week, but I, I, I think everybody probably loved that movie. I watched Pastor Eric's message just this week. So just quickly, in, in case you didn't know, if you've missed any of those weeks, you can jump on our Vimeo page, go to our website um, and, hear, and, and catch up in the previous week's talks. So, but this week, I get to talk about Finding Dory. So I'm pretty excited about it. I loved the movie. I've seen it twice already. Um, when we were looking at the movies for the series this, this summer, I, I, I latched onto this one immediately. I said, I, I'm pretty sure I can find something in that movie that resonates with me and that I can talk about. So who here has already seen the movie? Only a few of you, I'm surprised. Well, I really encourage you to go and see it. It's really good. I loved it. It's rare for me to say that I like a movie, a sequel, better than the original, but and John and I disagree about this, but I'll go on the record in saying I think I might like Finding Dory just, just a hair better, um, but like I said, it is the sequel to Finding Nemo. How many of you have seen that movie? Okay. That makes more sense. That movie, believe it or not, came out in 2003. That was shocking to me when I, 13 years ago, right? I couldn't believe that. Um, yeah, I also loved Finding Nemo. We have some pictures of the movie night. Hopefully, they're going to come up. We had movie night here Friday night um, and, and watched Finding Nemo. Do we have those, Dan? Okay. You're going to trust me that it was a fantastic time. Elizabeth from E3 Kids and Jessica from Outward Connect City did a fantastic job with their teams. We had uh, around 80 people here. The kids just had a ball. So it was a lot of fun. You can pay attention for, for future Outward Connect City eva- events. The reason I mentioned Finding Nemo is I'm going to talk a little bit about both of the movies. So, a lot of you have seen it, but still for the few of you that haven't, I'm going to recap the first movie. So in Finding Nemo, if you remember, that story was about, like I said, it was released in 2003. It was about two clownfish, Marlin and Nemo, right? And there's, there's a tragedy that happens at the beginning of the film. The reason you just saw me smile briefly is because I have to tell you a funny story. Friday night, as we were here watching the movie, Daryl and I were in the tech booth. I had already pretty much written my message and there was a as i was discussing finding nemo i was prepared to say we don't really know what happens to the rest of Marlon and nemo's family there they they're just a, it's just the two of them but you know you just you just know that they're just alone the whole first 5 minutes of the movie is all about that scene the million times that i've seen that movie i never recall seeing that that opening scene that shows the tragedy that takes the mom and all of the rest of the kids away. So that's why I smiled when I mentioned that that they were alone. It wasn't because they were alone. Um, the reason I mentioned that tragedy is it's incredibly important in the movie because it's what makes Marlon, the dad, very overprotective of his only son, Nemo, right? Um, that typical kid. I'm, I'm guessing from the way the rest of the movie plays out, Nemo is probably a teenager, but you'll, yeah, I don't know for sure. But I mean, he's really rebelling against that overprotectiveness. He does not love that and he, want, he's, he is disobedient and defiant in a critical scene in the movie where his dad is saying, don't you go another step further. Don't you touch that thing. If you're going to be in big trouble because Marlon could tell that there was going to be some danger. And sure enough, there was. A scuba diver comes along, scoops up Nemo, takes him away. Now he's lost. So the rest of the movie is about Marlin and his just sacrificing everything to find his son, right? So along the way, he meets Dory. He literally runs into her or swims into her, I guess you should say. She is a lovable character in the movie. She is a blue tang fish with... Uh, some dis- yeah, she has a disability, like, like it was alluded to in the review. She has short-term memory loss issues. So, um, but that's kind of what is endearing about her, honestly, in the, in the movie. It's one of the things that makes her lovable is that she introduces herself every 30 seconds to the same person over and over again. Um, I kind of connect with that a little bit. I apologize for all of the people here that I've introduced myself to a million times. Um, so the sequel, Finding Dory, picks up... With these characters, a year later—that's what it says—and Nemo and Marlin at that point have kind of adopted Dory into their family because of because of all of the bonding that they did on this journey to find Nemo. So they're together, um, and through some conversations about family, uh, somebody asked Dory the question about her family, and she realizes for the first time in a long time, or maybe she remembers for the first time in a long time, that. She has. She doesn't know about her family. She doesn't remember. So, um, she starts having flashbacks, memory flashbacks to her parents, to when she was a child. And this is a really significant thing because this is the catalyst that that makes her realize that, for the first time, something is missing in her life. As she she. There's a tugging at her to, to try and resolve this. She wants to find her parents. So she sets out on a relentless pursuit of finding her parents. Now she brings along, obviously, her, her good friends Nemo and Marlon because she needs help to, to accomplish this mission. She cannot, she says it a couple of times in the movie I can't go alone. I won't remember. I'll get lost. I won't remember. So, what I want to talk about today is. I got the, the privilege of watching both of these movies kind of back-to-back because, I, like I said, I've seen Finding Dory twice already in the last couple weeks, and one of them was just this week, a couple nights ago, um, and then Friday night watching Finding Nemo here with everybody. And as I, as I was looking at both of the movies, I realized that, to me, they kind of represent two pretty significant segments of my life. That's what we're gonna talk about today a little bit. So for the first 30 years or so of my life, I would describe myself kind of like Nemo. I, like the song said, definitely prone to wander. And it was intentional. I was defiant. I was disobedient in a lot of unfortunate ways. I wanted independence. I didn't want protection or covering. Of any kind. Now, I'm just going to tell you that made for an interesting first couple years of marriage to my awesome husband, Carl. But just so you know, spoiler alert: we're fine. We worked through that. We're we're good. 21 years. So yay! <laughs> Thank you. But at at 30 years old, there, through a, just a series of of I guess um, significant events in our family life, um, I I became more like Dory, which even sounds like finding Lori, right? I mean, that, that's pretty funny. A couple people mentioned that to me this week. The first time someone mentioned it, it was the first time that I realized, oh, that, yeah, that does. That sounds just like me, just like my name. Um, that's how aware I, and observant I was about that. Um, but I was like Dory because I started feeling like there was something missing and that there was a, a tugging and a nagging at finding what that was. That I, I felt incomplete. I had a wonderful marriage. We had a great family. I had a really good job. Um, but I knew that there was something missing, and there was a sadness and a longing that was in me that, was, that I was not addressing. So um, I was, for the first 30 years, I would say that I was familiar with God. I knew who He was. I, I, I believed in him, I even prayed to him, but mainly when I was just in deep trouble and needed something so But I was taught at some point in my youth to to that that would could be a source that I could go to, but really, for me, it was just having someone to pray to just for comfort. There was no relationship, and there was never even a conversation in my youth with in my church spiritual life, um, which was pretty um, minuscule, I guess, is the best way to describe it. There was no discussion of a relationship with God. But because I felt that longing, it started a relentless pursuit for me of finding God. Not that he was lost, but he wasn't. He didn't have a proper position in my life. And I And I realized, as I started on a seeking journey, not knowing what I would find, that as I found, as I was introduced to what that relationship could be like, it became very clear to me that that's what was missing. That was the key relationship that had been missing in my life. The more I learned about him and how he feels about me, the more I wanted to pursue him. I didn't even realize how lost I had been until I started looking and started finding him And started listening to his voice. So as I was thinking about that this week, it led me to a story in the Gospel of John. And if you have your Bibles, I just invite you to open those up to to John uh, chapter 10. We're going to read verses 1 through 16 together. And it's the story of the good shepherd and his sheep. The words will be on the screens. It's also in your fridge fold. But read along as I read this this morning. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me, just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold and I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. I love in this story, what what really jumped off the pages at me is the recognition of the shepherd's voice by the sheep. So it made me start thinking how in the beginning of my journey did I know to recognize God's voice in my life? How, how How could I discern his voice from other voices or from my own voice for that matter? And for me, as I was thinking about it, it looked a lot like the places that God has met me in my life. Answered prayer, for example. Times of of prayer for healing or health for family. Those were answered prayers. Times of provision that I couldn't have imagined happening for us in a time of great need. It looks an awful lot like peace in the middle of a storm. And I got to tell you, pastors have storms just like everyone else. We are, we are in a battle always, whether it's in family life or things that are distracting us. Um, and God, when we pray for peace, he delivers that peace. And I know that that is him meeting me where I need him. Those are some of, the, some of the ways that I learned to recognize his voice. Um, it helped me, and it came as I learned more about who he was. As I explored the scripture and learned more about God's character and what these words say about who he is and how he feels about me and all of his promises that are in here and his faithfulness in keeping those promises. These are, these are the things that revealed to me who he is. And those are the things that made his voice familiar to me when I was seeking his voice. Now, I have to confess that there is another way in this time of my life that while I'm on this relentless pursuit of who God, of being with God and knowing more about him and loving him with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength, there's another way that Lori is like Dory. And That is, I suffer also from short-term memory loss about who God is and about what he means to me and what he wants for me. All of the ways that he has revealed himself, I still forget. We just sang a song about that. Justin tagged that line, prone to wonder, prone to leave the God I love. So I am guessing that I'm not the only one who wanders at times. So in the movie, one of my favorite shots, and I tried really hard to find an image of it so that we could show it, but I, I couldn't find it. But for all of you who have seen it, you'll recognize this. Dory's parents, when she was very young, recognized, obviously, that she had this disability, that she had this memory issue, and they were, all, they were concerned at a very young age that she would get lost, just like she did. So what they taught her about is finding seashells, seashells like this, or, or similar to this. Um, finding them, and they strategically placed them and made a trail so that she could find her way home. One of the flashback memories that Dory has is when she is lost is of those shells. And at a a pivotal time in the movie when Dory has, she feels hopeless and helpless. Not only has she not found her parents, she has now also been separated from Marlon and Nemo. And so she's truly alone and she's desperate and she sees a shell, and then she sees the next shell, and the next shell, and, and Dory finds her way to the center, to, of, of the, uh, to the end of the trail, which is where her parents are. But the screenshot, as it pans out, is that there was a network of trails of shells. It was massive. Her parents had for years laid out these shells, so that no matter where she was, if she just could get to the first shell, she could go to the next shell and she could go to the next shell and she could find her way home. And I realized that God has done that for me and he's done that for us as well. He has placed shells in front of us and so that when I wonder, even if it's just 10 degrees off course, I can still find my way. I can still just get back to one shell. And, and the shells in my life look an awful lot like the things that revealed who God was to begin with, those answered prayers of healing and peace. But they, they also look like forgiveness. They look like mercy. For me, they look a lot like some of the people in this room who are closest to me. They are godly relationships who hold me accountable and point me to the next shell in the right direction, just taking the next step. So in finding Dory, the trail of shells, they're all different shapes and sizes, but it's a huge network and they all lead to the same place. And the cool thing, like I said to you about what Dory did, is she followed the shells to the center to find her parents. For us, we don't have to get all the way to the center to find God. When we have wandered and we start to seek, beginning to seek again is enough. So coming to the first shell, that's where God meets you. And he walks the rest of the way with you and encourages you and brings, brings people in your life that will help you along in that journey. I think that's a pretty cool, pretty cool difference, I guess. Dory didn't have that. Because of who God is, beginning to seek again is enough. As I was preparing for today, I, I, um, Elizabeth actually sent me a great article that talked about different, different um, themes, in, with uh, Christian themes, biblical themes in this movie. And there was a quote in there that has stuck with me ever since I read it. And it says this, Even if we wander so far that we forget that we've forgotten. There's always a way back and he's always waiting for us at the beginning of that trail. That was very encouraging to me because that tells me that, like I said, it doesn't matter if I'm just a half a step out of place, off of the path that God has set before me, I still can get back. And, and also, at the times that I was way off track, God still was reaching out to me and provided a way to find my way to him. So I have to insert the the uh, you know the catchphrase here, right? What is it that you think our job is? You just keep swimming, right? You knew I was going to have to work that in somewhere. So just keep swimming looks like a lot of different things. It's getting plugged into different like growth groups, ministry teams. Um, Making sure that you're in relationship with people who are going to be shells that guide you on the path that you need to be on. I want to invite you to, to look at the, to do the going deeper this week. These, we write these so that not, not just so that there'll be tools for you to learn more or something in addition to what you heard on Sunday, they're supposed to help facilitate conversation with other believers, people that you can develop relationships with. Um, And and so I hope that the the Going Deeper has done that or will do that for you this week. Um, But I want to talk about a couple of questions. Uh, One of them is directly from the Going Deeper. And I think think it's going to be on the screen as well, the first one. I want you to think about this week. What did the shells that God has placed in your life look like? How has he clearly met you somewhere, wherever you were in your journey, and said, listen to my voice, recognize my voice, and follow me? I know the way. So I want you to think about that as you're going through the going deeper. Think about that this week. The other question that I want to ask you is, who are the Nemos and the Marlins in your life that are helping you? It's important for you to identify them and know who they are and make intentional time to spend with them. Let them help you. Let them maybe be overprotective. Let them guide you. Go deeper in those relationships. One of the ways, we have have a lot of ways here that you can do that, that should help you do that. I mentioned growth groups, certainly. Service teams, ministry teams serving alongside each other. There are two significant opportunities coming up this fall. In September, there's a men's advance, and in November, there's a women's advance. Great opportunities for you to further those relationships and and connect with people in a new way beyond which what you can do on a Sunday. And I, I guess I just want to end with this, that it it really, it doesn't matter. It, it matters. I don't want to say it doesn't matter where you are on the journey, but no matter where you are on the journey, know that God is with you and he, is, he has laid out the path for you and you just need to find the next shell. Don't get overwhelmed by the full network of trail of shells. God will take you the rest of the way. Just find the make a commitment to find the next step wherever you are. I want to mention a couple of things. Um, Again, another significant way that you can develop deeper relationships is is a mission trip. There's a global outreach interest meeting after the 11 o'clock gathering today. Go and find out about what's going on in in missions in our church. Serve alongside people. Spend time away from Tallahassee with people and you will get to know some people. (laughs) Mostly in good ways. Um, I want to quickly mention also, um, and this is, this is not a necessarily related to the message, but um, it is about invitation. Tomorrow, we've been working on our E3 website for a long time. Any of you who have seen it recently know that it has been a hot mess. Uh, so we have been redoing that for a long time. Um, and it, the new revised website is ready to go live tomorrow. I mentioned that to you. I want you to check it out. I want you to know that it's geared largely towards new folks, but that's a great opportunity for you to invite people, not just to this church, but to be a part of this journey with you. You know, you, you're looking for people who are gonna help you be that person for someone else. Invite them. The website hopefully will be a great tool for you to do that. Um, I guess I just wanna close before prayer and just, and just say, if, if you're struggling to find that next shell and you don't know what those, what those indicators or those markers are in your life, talk to somebody, your growth group leader. Connect with a pastor. Connect with, with anyone in this church who's been on the journey for a long time and make time to sit down with them and help, have them help you figure out how God is speaking to you, and how to recognize his voice in your life. Because I can assure you this, it's there. He is speaking to you. It is your job to to recognize that shepherd's voice. I'm going to invite you guys to, to pray.